If you're standing, remain standing. If you've found your way to your chair, let me call you to stand back up again on your feet if you're able to. As we prepare to open the scriptures, one of the things that we do if you're new around here is we anchor ourselves in the faith of the church, what the saints have everywhere always believed to be true about God and the world that we live in. These are the words of the ancient Nicene Creed, and I want you to say these this morning, not as though you are reciting dogma, but as though you are making a prayer to the Lord that these things would drop down deeper into your spirit. So let's say them with faith in our heart this morning. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. If you can agree with that, say real loud. You may be seated. Friends, uh, we have a special guest with us this morning. One of the things I love about belonging to New Life is all of the colleagues that I get to do ministry with, great preachers, great men and women of God. And one of them is the Reverend St. Dr. Joe Kirkendall of New Life Manitou Springs. We've only been here for four and a half years ourselves. Uh, Joe was here, I think, right after the church started, shortly after the crust of the earth cooled. He's much older than I am, but this is a man of God, loves the Bible, loves Jesus, loves you. Would you please give it up for Dr. Joe Kirkendall? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Don't you just love your pastor, Pastor Andrew? He's so eloquent. He can speak so well. When, when Pastor Andrew and I are talking and just chit-chatting, I'll pull out my phone and pretend like I have a text message I need to read, but what I'm really doing is going to dictionary.com and looking up the ensemblage of vocabulary, SAT words he is able to communicate with. Am I right? Wonderful speaker. He can talk the talk and he can walk the walk. It's wonderful to be here with you, New Life East. This is my first time here. I remember when New Life East was planted. It was 18, 18 months ago. Uh, it wasn't a prophetic word, but it was just like a reminder of why we are planting New Life East. Pastor Brady, over all the congregation, said about New Life East and why we are planting it. He said, we're not planting it to make it easier. We're not planting it to cut down on people's drive times. We are planting a church to be salt and light, to be a local church 
in a local area that is bringing the gospel, making disciples, baptizing. And so well done, New Life East, volunteers, church, people, staff. God bless you all. God is so good. Your lampstand is been forged with hands that are calloused. I mean this as a compliment. You've, you've worked really hard. You have blisters. You have dirt under your fingernails from planting this church, and you love it. From what I understand, what I've seen this morning is you love working for the kingdom of God. Well done, good and faithful servants. I just wanted to encourage you, before we open up the scriptures, we're going to be in the book of Galatians. We are in this series. If you were here last week, Pastor Andrew started it. You can turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. How many of you brought a physical uh, Bible? Raise them high. Oh, look at them all. This, well done. Well done. I, I, I applaud you. Because uh, it's so easy to just look on the screens or look at your phone. But the, but the paper, I like that better. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. I have a three-point sermon. And if you know me, I almost always have a three-point sermon. And the points are going to be to listen to what the word of the Lord has for us today. Then we're going to uh, get into this correction that Paul gives to the Galatians and what we can receive from that. And finally, we're going to talk about not adding anything to the gospel. That'll be the third point. But would you please join me in standing one more time for the reading of the word of God? If you are able, this is Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 6 through 12. And it is a correction to the church. It is some hard words Paul has to say to the churches in this region of Galatia. Because he starts off and he says this. He says, I am astonished. He's astonished that they're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and they're turning to another gospel, a different gospel. Verse 7 says, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, here's what's happening. Some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And he warns them with this. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be, the Greek is anathema, under God's curse. In verse 9, he says the whole thing again. As I've already said, so now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. These are hard words, and so he, he compliments it with this. He says, the, the big idea here is, am I now, verse 10, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? All of us in here that, that, that are people pleasers instead of God, here's what Paul says, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Lord, help us. Verse 11 Brothers and sisters, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, my prayer here is simple, that that you would open our hearts. Lord, that you would open our minds, that you would open the hearers, the ears, the spiritual ears, that, Lord, wherever we're coming from, here we are in this holy place. Lord, this sanctuary of yours where the people of God have come to worship, Lord, we're listening. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. 
Lord, we pray this knowing you will speak to us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people at New Life East shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's jump right into the sermon. Point number one is this. If you're taking notes, you could write this down. Listen to what God is saying through his word. That was my prayer, to listen. Here we're going to be looking at the book of Galatians, and we need to listen to what God is saying. And we position ourselves here, New Life East 2021, as someone who looks on to Scripture between this letter, Paul, to these churches in Galatia. We're about to get a little nerdy here. I'm about to give you some background, some context, some genre, some author, some audience, hermeneutics, exegesis. Is anybody else a fellow Bible nerd like me? Raise it high. Thank you. There's a couple people, and that really warms my heart. Thank you so much. We do something at Manitou uh, because I like to get nerdy a lot. We're not going to get bogged down here. Don't worry. We're not going to get bogged down in the background stuff. Well, I do have a message for you, but I thought here we are beginning this series last week and here today, and it's really good to know a little bit about the context of what's going on. It's nerdy stuff, and so when I, I get to, to speak and I, I get into like a nerd fest, I will say nerd alert, and then what I want you to do is to make an alert sound. It's very weird. It's what we do in Manitou, but Manitou is really weird. So would you help me feel at home? Nerd alert. (laughs) Okay. Andrew's rolling his eyes. Uh, Let's show a map because this letter is written to the churches in Galatia. Here's a map of, uh, this is Galatia. So if you look at, uh, this is Turkey, there's Greece, there's Italy, the little boot there kicking Sicily. But Galatia, do you see it? It's in the green in what is today Turkey. And before we zoom into that, look at all the lines. The lines are Paul's missionary journeys. These are the places Paul went to. Uh, You can see these four different journeys, three different journeys, and then his his trip to Rome. But look at Galatia. Can you see it? Galatia is that green area there. Look how many lines are overlapping. Let's zoom into the picture now. And we get to see that coming and going on many of these missionary journeys, Paul stopped through Galatia. And this is to say he he knew these people. He stopped by them quite a bit. He is on another missionary journey at this point, writing back to these cities like Lystra, Iconium, Derbe. This is where Timothy's from. You could read some of the stories in the book of Acts of some of the things that happen with Paul and Barnabas when they're preaching the gospel in Galatia. But the awesome thing that happens is that churches are planted in these cities in Galatia. And they're growing, and it seems like everything's going well. And then, dun Dun, dun. Some people come in and start preaching a different gospel. Did you hear that as I was reading the scripture today? Some people come in and they try to pervert the gospel. And Paul says it's really no gospel at all. So here's the backstory. People come in, they're called uh, the group of the circumcised, they're called the Judaizers. And what they're saying is that Paul was only right so far. This message of the gospel and and grace, it only goes so far. What you need to do, Galatians, is you need to add to it some of the laws of the Old Testament. 
And this is the first church. This is the primitive church. People did not have grandmas and great-grandmas that were Christians before them. These are people, first church, trying to figure it out. Is Christianity just going to be a sub-sect of Judaism, or is this grace of Jesus enough for salvation and to cover humanity from all our sins? And these people, these, uh, we'll call them bad guys. I have four little boys, and we talk about good guys and bad guys, so for whatever it's worth, these bad guys come in and they say, Paul didn't tell you the whole story. You need to add uh, these eating things, these uh, festivals, uh, the regulations. Men, I have some really bad news for you. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the feasts, the Jewish, um, the Sabbath laws. If you're a Christian and somebody else is a Christian and you're trying to keep the, the kosher laws and they're not, well, then this group is saying you guys can't even eat together. You can't be, this is what this other group is saying, you can't be truly saved unless you add this to your faith. And Paul comes in and he says, are you guys insane? Have you lost it? And he rebukes them. He gives them this letter of Galatians that's not an easy letter. This here is a correction. And so I want to ask you, I'm wrapping up now point one, and just ask you, well, what's the word of the Lord speaking to you right now? Maybe there's a correction. Maybe we've added to the grace of Jesus. Maybe we've gone down a path. Maybe there's something the Lord wants to today to correct us on. And so I would be, ask you to be open to the Holy Spirit. What's the Lord showing you this morning? Point number two is this, to welcome. Welcome correction in your life as a holy direction. To be, as Christians, always asking ourselves, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? How, what patterns have I set up for myself that need to be changed or adjusted? Go back to the heart of God. We, as Christians, should always be open to people speaking into our lives, especially uh, trusted voices, shepherds, especially people that we, that we know are following Christ and speak to us. We should always be up for correction in our life as a holy direction. And Paul here He's writing a letter to the Galatians, and it seems to be very urgent. At the end of this letter, some of you might know, he says, uh, do you see with what large letters I'm writing this down myself? That, that falls into this book, the book of Galatians. And some people think that maybe the theory is here that Paul didn't have time to go hire a scribe and get this all written out perfectly. He wanted to just write it and send it as quickly as possible because there's a horrible scene going down in the churches of Galatia where people have come in and they're perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he switches up his writing. The book of Galatians is, is quite different than the other books that Paul writes to the other churches and the other places. He always, uh, even in the book of Galatians, he says, Paul, an apostle. He introduces himself in the letter. Then he says his catchphrase, and he says it here in Galatians, as well as every other single letter that we have of Paul's when he writes to a church. He says, grace and peace. He's a grace and peace to you. And in this letter, grace and peace to you from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. He says that. He says, I apostle, grace and peace to you. And then in the book of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first and second Corinthians, first and second Thessalonians, Romans, he admonishes them. He goes on and on about how I love you guys. You're doing so well. I thank the Lord for you. Listen to this. So this is Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He says, Paul an apostle, grace and peace to you. And then he says this to the church in Ephesus. 
For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your work for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. To the Philippians, he says, I thank God every time I remember you. In Romans, he says, I thank God for you because your faith is being reported all over the world. And then we get to Galatians. Dun, dun, dun. And Paul says, Paul an apostle, grace and peace to you. And then in the spot where he always thanks God for them and goes on and on and on, he says, I am astonished. Oh, yeah, Paul, what are you so astonished with? Are you astonished with how great we are as a church? Are you astonished that we're leading others to the Lord? Are you astonished that we're taking care of the poor? Are you astonished with it? What are you so astonished about? Dun, dun, dun. He's astonished that they're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Verse 7 says, which is no gospel at all. Evidently, some people coming in, they're throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Can you imagine if you got a letter like this, like from someone who planted and, and nurtured the church, who shepherded the church. Maybe like Pastor Brady Boyd, who's the pastor over all the congregations, wrote to us a letter, and, and it's different now with emails and things, but a letter was brought in, we opened it up, and it said, I'm astonished. Oh, what's he so astonished? I'm oh, so happy with New Life East. No, that we're deserting the gospel and perverting it. We would all just sink in our chairs and just, be, wow. Some of you would just like, forget it. Who's Brady Boyd anyway? I'm out of here. Just forget the whole thing. But those of us with the sensitivity to the Spirit would say, what's the Lord doing here? Have we really gotten that off course? And many of us in here would recognize that this would be the Spirit's work. This would be someone, a shepherd, someone we appreciate, someone we love, correcting us in a way that we need to be corrected. How many of you have been corrected or rebuked at some point in your life? By, hold on, I didn't finish the question. You're so eager. It's like, yeah, I've been rebuked. I've been there. <laughs> Me too. Um, but been rebuked or corrected by someone who you really trust, who actually had the best intentions for you. Okay, now raise your hand. Look at all the hands. This is a good thing. This is a part of the church to be corrected, specifically by the Holy Spirit and what he's doing and allowing other saints and leaders and people to speak to us. We're a culture that just doesn't, you know, someone says something against us and we'll just find another group that will agree with us. We need as the church to be corrected by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Lord uses um, people, individuals. Would you like to hear a story of me getting rebuked? <laughs> oh yeah. So it's, it's a middle school boys soccer I was uh, playing soccer on this team, and we had a great coach, Mr. Washington, a young guy, loved coaching, was a great leader, taught, taught young boys how to become men. He was just a great coach. He showed up a half hour late for practice every day because he was coming from another school to, to teach and coach our practice, and we were supposed to, with this half hour of unsupervised time, we were supposed to get ready for soccer, we were supposed to, you know, these drills we had to do, we had uh, stretches and things, exercise, get ready, this, the half hour was supposed to be used, and instead, what do you think a group of middle school little boys did? 
And you're all just laughing. We did anything we wanted. Like we had no accountability. And like the day we were, it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I think other teachers were like telling Coach Washington, like, what is going on? These boys are running wild. And so the day we were corrected and found out that we had been wasting these 30 minutes and not doing what we were supposed to do, we went behind the school and we had like lunches, like a bunch of kids didn't eat their lunch. We had lunches in the back. We were throwing food like up up against the wall, like bananas and apples and bologna sandwiches, chocolate milk everywhere, all over the place. And then it got like worse. Like we're smiling now, but this is like, this is bad. We, we got a soccer ball and we're like, let's play a game where we kick the soccer ball at each other against the wall. And of course, no one volunteered for this. So we voluntold like one of the younger, unpopular kids up against the wall. This is what I do in middle school. This is me. This is, this is the pastor. This is, I apologize. So we're kicking balls up against the wall to hit this kid. Some of them are connecting and it's just, a, it's a horrible, like the word hazing, the word bullying. Like I'm not proud of this moment and we look at the, oh gosh look at the clock coach Washington he's about to, so we all pack up and we go over to uh, where we're supposed to be and we're pretending to like you know he's like oh we're just you know doing what we're supposed to be doing and he starts asking us questions like oh this is weird why is he asking us questions um, what's going on he says do you guys see that hill up there in that parking lot up there and we're like dun 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 He says, for the last half hour, I got off early. I've been up in that parking lot overlooking the school, and I've been watching what you guys have been doing. (laughs) And he proceeded with the rest of that practice to correct us. He's like, well, start running laps. And we'd get get done with some laps. He said, guys, what do we need to do? And somebody's like, we need to go clean the mess. So we clean the mess. Guys, what do we need? We need to apologize. Yes, we do. We're so sorry. Guys, what do we and he Individually called some of us out. He pointed at me and said, Joe, what did you do when they were kicking the ball against that, that kid? I didn't even answer. I, I, I couldn't. I was just like, man, I, I didn't do anything. And he, he had some words about like, what happens when, when, when good people just do nothing? And, and he, he had, it was just one of those moments in my life that was a severe correction to this team where I grew. I look back and I'm, I'm thankful for that correction by Mr. Washington, the coach. And thinking back, I wonder, I, I wouldn't have known this at the time. I wasn't really following the Lord, but if he was a believer, he was a Christian helping me to like, uh, like what is the Holy Spirit saying here and doing this correction of the Lord This letter, Galatians, gets worse. Like Paul has some very strong language at the beginning, and then it only gets stronger from there. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, do you know what it says? You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? The J.B. Phillips translation of the New Testament says this. He translates that verse that I just said as, You dear idiots of Galatia. These are strong words. And so some of us would be, ah, well, you know, Paul's just a mad guy. You know, he's just, just, ah, I don't want to listen to that. But what if this is the Holy Spirit? What if this is like a caring, loving doctor and you come in and you have cancer? Some of you have walked that journey. Some of you have walked with people with that journey. What does a good doctor do to someone that has cancer? Well, it's going to be painful. He's going to, he's going to surgically cut open the body and remove the cancer. Then you're going to get hammered with three to six months of chemotherapy, and it's going to be horrible. 
It's going to be hard. It's going to be this correction to your body and your life, but it is for your good. Paul here is writing to correct the Galatians church because they have added to the gospel of Jesus. They've added to it. And so this morning I would ask us, like, what's the Holy Spirit teaching us right now? What's the Holy Spirit doing as we close this point and then move on to the next? Like, what's the Holy Spirit doing here to maybe correct us? What, what direction have we got off on? What, what, thing have we, what road have we started down? What valley have we run down into that needs to be corrected? None of us are far enough from the Lord to, to not turn to him and walk with him and be corrected by him. That the Lord loves us so much, he gave his son and died for us, that he would correct us and bring us into his grace. This third and final um, point is this, quite simply, this is what Paul tells the church in Galatia to not do. He says, do not add to the gospel of Christ. Don't add to the gospel of Christ. Paul writes the most of all the other Bible writers, he writes the most about freedom. Paul writes about freedom. It's like 29 times the Greek words are used that we translate as freedom. Outside of Paul's work, it's about eight times in the New Testament. So Paul has a lot to say about what freedom in Christ looks like, to receive him, receive the grace of Christ. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. We'll get to this in a few weeks. One of my favorite verses. Uh, Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And he wants these churches in Galatia to know that there's nothing they need to add to receiving the grace of Jesus. There's two types of religion, uh, maybe more, but I see it as I'm no scholar of other religions. I've I've taken some classes, I've traveled some, maybe some Hinduism and and, uh, Islam, Mormonism, Buddhism, um, a little bit here and there. But I would would categorize almost every religion into um, a category of human achievement. In some ways, people are working to, to make the God or gods happy of their religion. Christianity, this message of Jesus is so very different. Jesus Christ, if he really is who he said he was, God himself, then it makes every religion different. Like, it's so different. Jesus himself, God, came to earth and died for us. And this other category that we fall into as believers in Jesus is a religion of God's accomplishment. So what does this mean for our own lives? What does this implication mean for us to not add to the gospel, to not add to the grace of Jesus? Grace, this acronym, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at, have you heard this? God's riches at Christ's expense. Have you heard that? It's, it's, it's a wonderful acronym that, that God, his riches are at Christ's expense, not our own. And we receive it from the inside out. Good works come out of us. We don't need to add good works to be saved. It comes inside of us. This grace comes in us and is like an explosion, a heart bomb going out into the world, serving, leading uh, others to his gospel, his truth, baptizing, discipling, helping the poor, the works that New Life East does. American Sign Language for grace is this motion where you take like a heart bomb, like you take it in and blow it up. It's like, man, that's a great view and image of what grace is inside of us, inside out, blowing up. It's good. God is good. He's here. 
We're going to take a moment. I'm going to lead us in prayer. The band, if if you can come up, they're going to lead us in this song where we sing about the Son of God being high and lifted up. That is the place by which we put him, the Lord Almighty. It's all him. It's all his grace. Have you ever been to a... um, like a dinner party where everyone else brought something and you show up with nothing. Anybody else? No other? Okay, thank you. Anybody else? It, it, it happens to me quite a bit. I don't know why. I'm, it's like, <laughs> I didn't know it was a potluck. It was like, how could you not know? You come to somebody's house and you bring something. I forgot. I didn't know. Or, you know, you, you go somewhere. What if, you know, the situation is that you, you were too poor to buy something and you just forgot. You feel like an idiot. You go into this person's house. Everybody else has something to bring and you've brought nothing. And then you get to the door. And the door is opened by the host. And our God, who is the host of heaven, looks at you and you look at him and you're like, I, I didn't bring anything. And he's like, are you kidding? I didn't ask you to bring anything. Come into this kingdom. The table is set before. We're going to receive communion in a little while. And think about that image of, of receiving these mysteries of, of Christ's body and his blood inside of us. And it's just exploding into our life and going out from there. God is in this place. Would you stand with me? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then the band will lead us. So if you're comfortable, would you open your hands as, as a opening your hands to the Lord. And we confess to you, Lord, that we, we have added to your gospel. We've added things that you, that you don't need from us. We've added theologies and thoughts and we, we try to get people to agree with us. We confess that to you, Lord. Lord, we confess that we've walked on paths that you didn't walk us, want us to walk on. And Lord, you're, we're open to your correction. Lord, we, we say to you that you are the son of God. You're high and lifted up. Lord, your name is above every name. Your truth and your mercy and your justice, Lord, it is here. And we as New Life East, Lord, we respond to you. We ask for your grace to come in us. We pray this, Lord, in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Spotless lamb. 
Lift up your hearts. <laughs> yeah, we do. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Oh, man. Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly turning from the one who called you into the grace of Christ. The grace of Christ. I want you just to let this thought sink into your soul for a moment here. 
that there is not a single thing that you can do that will make God love you more than he does right now. Not a single thing. And I know you had a great week. Boy, you crushed it this week. And God doesn't love you more because of it. And there is not a single thing that you can do that will make God love you less. And I know that you screwed up bad this week and it was a disaster. And God is wild about you. David said, keep me as the apple of your eye. Do you know that we are the apple of God's eye? And do you know how we know that? Because of what God did for us in Jesus. We're worth Jesus to God. (laughs) And there's nothing that we can do that will add to that. And there is nothing that will ever take away from that. And I know that the easy thought to think is that, well, you'll take advantage of that then. We're just all going to go out and be idiots because we can. And that's not true either. The truth is that when the love of God gets inside you and the kindness of God gets inside you, it does something to you. It's like a burning ember placed on your heart. It just, it burns evil away and it remolds us into the image of God. So when we come, guys, to this moment, we're not coming just groveling before the Lord, nor are we patting ourselves on the back. But what we're doing is we're turning our eyes to Jesus And we're remembering that he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's our whole story. And we have no hope in life or in death other than in Jesus. He is God's yes over our lives. And so we come. Not because we are worthy. And our unworthiness notwithstanding. We come because you've called us here. We come because you've opened the door. We come because you've set the table. We come because it's a joy in your heart that we should feast at your table as sons and daughters of the living God. So we're coming because you called. And we're remembering that on the night that he was betrayed, after he had given thanks, the Lord Jesus took the bread and he broke it. Would you break the bread with me? And he said, take this all of you and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Before you take the bread, I also want you to take the cup in your hand. And after the supper, he took the cup saying, drink from this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the remission of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The apostle Paul calls us to recognize the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in the bread and the cup. Guys, Jesus is here. Jesus is here in no less a physical way than he was here when he walked the dusty roads of ancient Palestine. He's here. Would you, as you hold the bread and the cup in your hand, would you now begin to let adoration, worship, gratitude, thanksgiving rise in your heart to Jesus? We say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Son of God, high and lifted up. Incarnate God, broken for us, pierced for us, crushed for us, bruised for our transgressions, punished for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by your wounds, we are healed. And so we pray that in this house, forgiveness would be released. We ask that in this house, healing would be released. 
We ask that in this house, reconciliation would be released. We ask that in this house, all of the riches of God's kingdom would be released upon the children of God. We recognize you here, Lord Jesus, right here, right now, in this bread and in this cup. Brothers and sisters, can we partake together the body of Christ and the blood of Christ? Let's take it. Can we now begin to respond with our doxology? Let's sing it together. Hold the moment, friends. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Would you in this moment just drink deeply of his presence? We made it into the Holy of Holies. We're here. That's what you live for. God's presence. Would you lift up your hands like this? Hold them out. Receive this benediction as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Well, thanks, family. I receive it. I'm going to invite our altar ministry team to come forward. Friends, if you need prayer for anything this morning, we would love to pray with you and for you. Remember, if you're new, stop at Connect Central. We'd love to meet you out there. Grace and peace be on your heads. Have a great day.